By request, I decided that I was going to do a commentary on uh, this uh, debacle that's happening in um, within the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Really not the end of the world, but, you know, as an Eagles, Eagles fan, it kind of seems like it is. These guys are going through a plethora of issues. So just recently, they actually got mollywopped by the Dallas Cowboys. Kudos to you, Dallas. Um so I promised my friend Michael, uh, my guy Michael Baker over there in Japan, he's out there serving our country, doing his damn thing. Uh, I promised him that he, as a, also he's also a fellow Eagles fan. I told him I would do some commentary on this. So um, also shout out to my guy Joe Hembry. I told him that I would also do some commentary on this. Uh, and overall, if you're a football fan, I think you guys will like it. Uh, if not, I'm just speaking. You might want to get a Rosetta Stone tablet or something. I don't know. But uh, this is based off of the uh, First Things First uh, TV show on, I believe this is, I believe it's on FS1 as well, uh, featuring Chris Carter, Nick Wright, Greg Jennings, a.k.a. The Truth, because he loves to tell the truth, and um, uh, Jenna, Jenna Taft. Uh, so they're going to talk about this, and I'm going to throw in some tidbits here and there, and then some. All right, let's get back to Sunday Night Football. Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles in Dallas to face Dak. By the way, this is probably one of the most devastating Sundays I've ever experienced in my life. Cowboys. This is one way to break a three-game skid. Feed Zeke. Touchdown makes a 14-0 in the first. Yeah, so one of the things that went wrong, I feel like, um, with Doug Peterson... uh, He's gotten into a weird, it's a weird coaching funk. I mean, a lot of coaches go through this. Number one, he deferred, like he, he, he just, usually you, he defers. Uh, the Eagles have been going, they've gotten off to a very bad start for the past, oh, I don't know, six games. And they're, and they're slow starts. Usually what ends up happening, though, is that um, they defer at, the, at, at kickoff, they defer, and they take the time to make those adjustments at halftime. And then most of the time, that's how they win the game. Um, the Eagles have been starting off very slow. I believe they're only averaging about 10 points a game this season, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere around 10 to like 12 points uh, if you average it out. So that was his first mistake. Then you had the uh, the fumble by Dallas Goddard. Uh, it was knocked out of his hands. And before you know it, the Cowboys are already up uh, 14 zip within like the first quarter. So from there, you know, there was just a lot that needed to be done. And I kind of feel like Doug Peterson has lost, kind of sort of lost his mojo just a little bit. And uh, the numbers for Dak that actually Dak that night um, were uh, he was 21 to 27, 239 yards, a touchdown, one interception. Uh, and one rushing touchdown. Meanwhile, Zeke had 22 carries for 111 yards and one touchdown. So he was definitely feasting against this. Look, the Eagles don't have an answer for Ezekiel Elliott. They just don't. Every time, I believe, as of right now, the Eagles are, or the Eagles are winless against the Dallas Cowboys when Ezekiel Elliott is playing. Believe it or not. Like, they, they always win. I can't think of a time when they've won and Ezekiel Elliott was there. Finished with 147 yards from scrimmage. Second quarter now, Dak 
connecting with Blake Jarwin to put the boys up 21. And so much was, you know, at, at some point, man, it's just Dak was able to, he was basically able to take these guys apart, man. Um, you know, he, he did he did a really good job. Number one on this play in particular uh, that I paused on, everybody sold out on the play action. This is when they were on the goal line. And you had Blake Jarwin or whatever the hell his name is was wide open in the end zone. And everybody else, <laughs> they try to pursue Zeke because they're worried about Zeke. So not a good not a good showing on Jim Schwartz's part. I mean, it, usually you have one side that's one side that's a pick me up, but clearly neither job neither neither side could do their job. To seven Eagles trying to stay in it. That doesn't help. Wentz intercepted in the fourth one of his three turnovers on the day. This was all Cowboys. They go on to win 37-10. Yeah, that was a bad pass by Wentz, too. Uh, really bad pass. With that, they now take sole possession of first place in the NFC East. Here's Dak after the game. It was great. Uh, yeah, it was a great team win. Uh, the best complimentary football that we've played all year long. Offense, uh, defense, defense making plays, getting us on the plus side of the field. Us being able to capitalize on them, being able to do that early, score touchdowns early. Uh, just um, something that we've been trying to get to all year long, uh, and, and we were able to do that tonight. And kudos to Dak Prescott. One of the things I will say, although I think that Carson Wentz is the better all, he's the overall better quarterback like, he has better quarterback intangibles. I use that word a lot because I think that he has the tools to be great. But one of the things I think that Carson Wentz, he, he lacks is leadership. Um, for whatever reason, man, excuse me, the ghost of Nick Foles is still in that locker room. I, 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 that's just how I feel. I really feel like a lot of these guys, man, they, 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 they ride, they rode for Nick Foles. Now... A lot of people will say, well, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. That's true. But had it not been for Carson Wentz leading the team to an 11-2 record, you could argue and say that they probably wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl. Because to be 11-2, they had already clinched the division, I believe, against uh, the um, the uh, L.A. Rams. They had clinched the division already because they were so far ahead. Like so much, I feel, So much I feel like had to go wrong. In that 2017 season, that was the season where Zeke was in trouble with those fem- with that female. That was just the beginning of it. So much had to go wrong, but the Eagles did a good job of capitalizing on that. So they got the one seed. I guarantee you if the Eagles would have got a two or a three, they probably wouldn't have won. They probably wouldn't have went to the Super Bowl. Just saying. So Carson Wentz played a big role in that as well. But again, you can see the chemistry that Dak Prescott has with his players versus Carson Wentz. They're all in on Dak Prescott. You know, Dak Prescott distributes the ball. He does just enough to win the game. But then, of course, the game falls on Zeke. We learn that and we make jokes about how Dak needs Zeke to win. And what's wrong with that? I'm just keeping it real. What's really what's wrong with that? He's in a position to win. So I'm going to go through that as well. And like this, we all have to kind of step back, look in the mirror, especially myself. It starts with me. And um, this is one of those games that, uh, you know, I take personal from that standpoint. Uh, we didn't play well, and that's, that's, that's personal on me. So um, Playing well is an understatement. That's an understatement. 
you guys play that was the that was the biggest load of garbage I've ever seen. Ten points is what you got. Ten points. The only drive that you scored on was where you ran the ball with Jordan Howard. You run the ball with Jordan Howard five times that leads to a score. And because you and because the Eagles were down by so many points before the half even before the half was over, you then deviate from the run game and you decide now you want to put the ball in Carson's hands. Like that's not a winning brand of football. Granted, the defense didn't help either. I'm going to get to the defense as well, but still you decide that you want to take receive the ball. Doug Peterson, he normally doesn't do that. I think he was shell-shocked after that Vikings game and realized, hey, you know, and, and I respect Doug. I respect Doug for having the balls to come in and say, we're going to go down there, we're going to beat these guys in Dallas. I respect that. But then when he recanted that statement, that's when I knew I had a feeling they were going to lose that game. I just, I just had a feeling. I got to get that fixed. Greg Jennings, did the Cowboys prove they are indeed the best team in the NFC East after win last night? Well, before Greg answers, I would have to say yeah. I would really have to say yeah. Um, everything was clicking on all cylinders for Dak Prescott. You had Zeke. The play action was there. High routes were there. Amari Cooper was doing his thing. Defensively, they were able to get to Carson Wentz early. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence abused Lane Johnson. Um, strip sacks, turnovers. Everything is everything was in their favor, and they're playing a winning style of football as of right now. But that doesn't exempt that they went on a three-game losing streak. Just saying. Doesn't exempt that. But as of right now, yes, I would say that they are the best team in the NFC East for now. When their defense plays like this, they are definitely the best team in the NFC East. Agreed. They obviously can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Dak Prescott looked phenomenal yesterday. But their defense, up front specifically, them getting the rush and getting the pressure on mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, disrupting what they wanted to do offensively. Which doesn't say much because I don't even think they knew what they wanted to do. And in the run game, there is not a team that can really contend with the Dallas Cowboys at home like this when they play like this. I I enjoyed watching them last night. I thought Ezekiel Elliott did a phenomenal job of being a part of the offense. Or I should say Kellen Moore did a phenomenal job of making Ezekiel Elliott a part of the offense. Yeah, and Kellen Moore um, opened up the playbook for Dak Prescott. He put Dak Pres- he puts Dak Prescott in a very 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 good situation or in very good situations depending on uh, the down and how and the distance. Um, very creative. Now I can't say the same for the Philadelphia Eagles, given that I think that Mike Groh's an idiot. Uh, this is the same guy who didn't know who openly admitted that he didn't know how to use Golden Tate when the Eagles had acquired him last year for a third round pick, and he was getting no touches. But he said that he had no idea how to use him. That makes no sense. Clearly, there's an incompetency on in, on the on the side of the offense. No doubt about it. And it starts with the. I think it starts with Doug. Then I think it trickles down to the offensive coordinator. I want Mike Grove gone. Okay, I want him gone. I don't want to see him anymore. I would much rather them fire Mike Grove, or you demote him, 
I believe he was the receivers coach a couple years ago. I think he was the, he was a wide receivers coach. Maybe put him back in that role, and then you hire somebody like a Jay Gruden or something. I mean, that's what I would do. Given Jay Gruden, but I think he still has aspirations to be a head coach. The running game as well as the passing game, and in the in prior games, he's been getting his rushes. But as a part of the passing offense, it has been non-existent. And I think that's where they start to thrive when Ezekiel is a part of the passing game. Yeah, it's exciting to see their defense play at a high level. We talked about last year when they had time of possession, when they won time of possession, even 29 minutes or yeah. above, they were 8-0 last season. So we thought this defense would be good. We didn't know if they could be elite or not. Dak Prescott's ability to be able to spread the ball, him and Keller Moore, to me, went through a three-game lull. I was very impressed with Keller Moore as far as I didn't know if they were going to have their left tackle. I didn't know if they were going to have their right tackle. I said they have to run the ball. Yeah, that's what that's what makes it even worse is that uh, Fletcher Cox is playing on a, I believe he's got a bad toe or he's got something, he's got some sort of a foot injury he's trying to play through. Now, within six games, the Eagles have managed to lose a lot of depth, a lot of those depth depth pieces that they had in the beginning of the season. They were one of the deepest rosters in the NFL, but it's all about the war of attrition. None of these players can stay healthy. Malik Jackson is out. Uh, Timmy Jernigan is out. Hassan Ridgeway gets hurt. Now you're down to Brandon Graham, who's going to have to play the inside. You have Fletcher Cox, obviously, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, and uh, Sharif Miller. Those are in. Um, those are your. Those are your defensive linemen. A little undersized. They don't really have any girth outside of Fletcher Cox in the middle. And Fletcher Cox is. He's more of. A, I mean, he's got strength, obviously, but he's more. He's more so known for his speed off the line. So, uh, the Cowboy, like I said, Tyron Smith was hurt. Um, I believe Zach Martin was also hurt, but they still managed to play. And they 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 had their way with the Eagles' defensive line. Yeah, every announcer says that, but I said they have to be creative in doing that. They have to get their wide receivers involved. Earlier in the game, who'd they give it to? Tavon Austin. So Touchdown. to me, I don't I believe Dallas's offensive line is still one of the better offensive lines that we have, but they are not a power puncher anymore. They're more of a counter puncher. So for me, how do they generate this running game without trying to overpower everyone? Because I don't believe this is the team they were a couple years ago. Oh no, not even close. Um, not even close. I, I think one of the things that I've noticed, and even though uh, the numbers didn't show it, I just look at his overall body of work and uh, his style of play. Um, I think that Dak Prescott has taken a step forward. This is just me. He's taken a step forward, but I feel like Zeke has taken a step back, and I think that that he'll he'll get his legs from. Uh, granted, um, he's playing well. Obviously, he's he's get, he's running the ball well, but there's just that that he doesn't have that that jolt that spark that he once had, you know. And he's only been the, been in the league for three years. This would be his fourth year. Well, yeah, this will be his fourth year, but he's missing that spark, kind of sort of that edge, that juice. And obviously, the offensive line is aging, but they're still doing a good job of running the football. You can see Kellen Moore starting to adapt move the pocket, that's going to run a little bit. So when you have that combination, a healthy Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith left tackle healthy, some creativity in the running game, and their defense, if their defense is going to be a top 10 defense, 
Yes, they're going to be an elite team, and they're definitely going to be the best team in the East, Nick. Let's see, three rushing touchdowns by three different people. Zeke, Dak, Tavon Austin. You got Dak more involved in the running game as well, not just yes. in the rushing touchdown. I think it was five carries for 30 yards. This is offensively, because you guys folks on the defensive side of the wall, the exact way the Cowboys, when they are healthy, the best way for them to play. Zeke is the focus, shots to Amari, Dak on some RPOs or some quarterback options, mm -hmm. and then... To you constantly keep the defense off balance. If they overload the box to Zeke, Amari showed you, man, even coming off injury, he had he hit an extra gear when it looked like he was at top speed a couple yeah. times to get a little... Yeah, that play that he hit on Jalen Mills, man, and Jalen Mills, I felt like, given that he was... He, he didn't play, he was, I think he was out last season around... Uh, I think he got hurt in the Saints game. I could be wrong there. But for a guy who, who hasn't played for for almost seven months, hasn't gotten a starting position, I got to say that I commend him for how he played against Amari Cooper. Um, obviously, he's not one of he's not the best corner that they have. Uh, I think Jalen Mills sucks, but he's the best corner that they have on the roster right now. I mean, we know what he is, you know, but Russell Douglas is taking a step back. Um, Avante Maddox, I believe, is still hurt. Sidney Jones uh, is looking like, looking like a bust. Separation, like a gear that I, I knew he had it, but I thought he was already in it. And then we saw him get to an extra gear. And the other thing for Dallas that I think makes Cowboys fans, and you referenced Skip, I know makes our friend Skip happiest, is you're seeing the maturation of Dak. I, I, Collinsworth pointed it out after. Did I not just say that? Did I not just say that Dak is taking a step forward? Yo, I need to get myself on this panel, man. <laughs> Fact, but you could hear it in real time on the broadcast. When it was 14 to 7 and the Cowboys were around the 15-yard line, you heard Dak screaming, kill, 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 because he saw the Eagles were in zero coverage and they yep. were bringing the house on the blitz. Oh, boy. That, that Look, man, whenever things go right for Philadelphia, Jim Schwartz has a, has a terrible, terrible... Uh, play calling when he come when it comes to blitzing, man. Zero coverage. Like when he did that shit, I was like, "What are you doing?" You're out, and then and then on top of that, you have NBC. Chris Collinsworth is on Rogers, just on Dak's sack completely. But yeah, that zero blitz. I'm like, what, what the hell is that gonna do? The defense is so bad now that Jim Schwartz has to call run blitzing plays to stop the run now. And that didn't even work. And he just said, man, I know I'm going to be able to get Randall Cobb to the inside. And he now wasn't a touchdown. Got him down to the one-yard line. I think Zeke finished it off for the touchdown on that driver. It might have been the pass. I'm not to Jarwin. I'm not certain. But regardless, that is – and then th that is Dak in year four, understanding more. The, the Cowboys, over the last couple years now, have shown us when they got all their horses – they're a really good football team. Their issue has been when in a league full of injuries, when even just one of those horses is removed, they become a team that can lose to the Jets. But once you found out both tackles were playing, both wide receivers were playing, you had to like Dallas's chances. One, one thing you have to understand with a team like Dallas, they're just like the Rams. When you lose your frontline players, because they have say they have so many guys making more than five million, they're not going to have the depth of everyone else. So when they do have some injuries, not 
like the Patriots, who they don't have a bunch of guys making more than $5 right. million. It's easier to replace those players, but great point by you. When their frontline players are there, they are an elite team. When, when this Cowboys team is healthy, you know exactly who they are. But what we've seen in the last couple of weeks from the Eagles is that we don't know who they are. They, I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I thought this was a team with a ton of depth, with a great quarterback. Who was uh, Jenna, they say great minds think alike, but damn, she took the words right out of my mouth. And I didn't even watch this episode. Okay. Let's run this back real quick. I got excited there. Got real excited. Know who they are. They, I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I thought this was a team with a ton of depth. With a stop right there, ton of depth. Okay, this is the part where I'm going to break this down. How how I see fit. We're talking about a ton of depth. Now, I know I make fun of a lot of Chiefs fans for overhyping their players. But Philadelphia has a knack for overhyping players who don't need to be overhyped. Um, the only noteworthy people on that defense are Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins. Everybody else, and I wouldn't even say Malcolm Jenkins because he's not—he's he, old. He's getting—he's aging quickly. Um, everybody else is expendable outside of Fletcher Cox. Even Malcolm Jenkins, he can be traded somewhere, but. He said he plays such a vital role in the run game. And with the Eagles playing the, um, what do you call that? The uh, nickel. They play a lot of big nickel. So he he plays a vital role at that line, that uh, hybrid linebacker spot. Depth. All that depth is gone now because of injury. So when you lose a lot of those depth players, and what, the, and what Jim Schwartz likes to do is he has to have a rotation. Well, you might see Fletcher Cox's productivity go down because he's going to have to stay in the game longer. When you have two defensive tackles like a Fletcher Cox and a Malik Jackson and Timmy Jernigan and Hassan Ridgeway, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a hell of a rotation. Then you rotate the defensive ends, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, uh, Sharif Miller, Josh Sweat. You know, do you have a rotation? That rotation's gone now. So early on, they were Super Bowl favorites. They were. They were they were a good they were going to be a representative of the NFC as a whole. But then injuries happened. And then inconsistencies inconsistencies started to rear their ugly heads. Carson Wentz doesn't look so elite. So yeah, it, it's sad. Quarterback who was finally going to be healthy. I had a ton of promise for them. I was part of the research too, Greg, and then <laughs> trying was. to determine was. who she was going to pick. So. Was. A lot of this, Jenna, a lot of people have. I know. To the what happened to the Eagles yesterday? What's been happening this the last couple of weeks? Well, <clears throat> Jenna, thank you for asking. Uh, what's happened to them? Number one, I think it's injuries. Number two, uh, Doug doesn't know how to adjust uh, as a coach. Or he's, um, it's, uh, usually he does a good job, but they've never been down by this much. Um, I think that they're still trying to, like, it, it's it's not too late. But their problems, number one, their roster, they have the second oldest roster in the league right now. So they're old. But just because you're old doesn't mean that you can lose that by that much to the Dallas Cowboys. You can't lose by that much. They did anyway. Um, also, what's been happening is um, the overvaluing of players who 
need to be traded. Um, that's what's happened. We overhype a lot of these players. Nigel Bradham is not a good linebacker. He didn't even play yesterday. Nate Gary is not a good linebacker. We have Andrew Sandejo, not a good, not really a good safety. Um, they cut Zach Brown. Kamu Grugier Hill, okay? Uh, he's one of the linebackers. He's also a special teams ace, but he played linebacker. He's not playing well. The defensive line isn't getting any push. Jim Schwartz is still continuing to have our players, two of the slowest corners in the league right now, who don't play with good technique, really. Jalen Mills will get a pass because, I mean, at least with him, it's hard to get into his head. Razul Douglas. You have Razul Douglas playing off the ball. So he doesn't have recovery speed. And that's why he's able to get mossed every time. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, is it the players or is it Jim Schwartz's scheme? Most of these guys were on that Super Bowl team when they won back in 52 or that Super Bowl 52. A lot of these guys are on there. But, oh, yeah, and not to mention, speaking of a lot of those guys, the secondary is all god-awful. Awful. Terrible. Sidney Jones needs to be cut, man. Cut him. I don't even think the Eagles are going to trade for anybody, but damn, man. I was really rooting for this guy. And then that draft, that was the draft where you had Kevin King, you had Desmond uh, Desmond King, you had, uh, man, what's that guy's name? Uh, Awuzie, you had uh, just so many other great corners. I hope the Eagles never draft another corner from Washington. From the Huskies, never again. I think they're trying to figure it out. I definitely can't put a finger on it. I know, obviously, with the Sean Jackson being out, it hurts them offensively because. That, oh my God, dude! Look, I get tired of hearing that, man. I really get tired of hearing that. Look, we knew what we signed. The Eagles knew what they signed up for when you sign a 33-year-old veteran who has a history of not staying healthy. We knew that's what it was. I had no idea that Deshaun Jackson was going to affect the game that much. I never would have thought that. What I identify with Carson Wentz is he wants to get the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. And with him not being able to get the ball down the field, they really don't have, outside of Aguilar, and he's inconsistent with his hands, a guy that can... Oh, my God. Nelson Aguilar, look, he's gone next year anyway. But... That lack of effort that he showed, not extending his hands for the football, kind of pissed me off. I don't understand. Like, I go back and forth about Aguilar. The thing is, is he can beat his man. He's, he does it. The issue is, is when the ball's in the air, he can't track the deep ball. He's a guy that you got to have to use at the line of scrimmage. Maybe use him like uh, Tavon Austin. That's who we are. That's who he reminds me of, just a tad bit. Use him, use him as your as your gadget guy. You know, have him, you know, jet sweeps, jet motions, all that stuff. Use him for that, because he's not a good receiver. You run every single route on the route tree and create separation to continue to move the sticks. They just don't have that guy. Alshon Jeffries, good receiver. He's not a Limited. route running. Alshon's your 50-50 ball guy. Alshon is the guy who can Debo you for the ball. He's very effective in the red zone. Um, doesn't necessarily run crisp routes, but he still gets the job done. 
and and, I, and I've said this before. To me, Alshon is a really great number two, but when you have to force them to play number one and you put the best corner on them, yeah, it, I mean, because let's be real, even though he was hurt, Kevin King was sunning his ass, man. He really was. Exactly, exactly, and so that that kind of hinders you offensively with what you're trying to do with a quarterback that then, what we saw last night, he does this, Aaron Rodgers puts all the pressure on himself and starts to force things that aren't there. Here, Yeah, that... Couldn't have said that better myself, Greg. And I think, and, I, and that solely falls on Doug Peterson as well, the play calling. You have a stable of backs. Well, the, my mistake. You have a running back. Miles Sanders still can't seem to figure this shit out. But Jordan Howard, again, you run the ball five times on that drive where you scored. You, you got to continue to keep that alive. Now, like I said, I know when you're down, you have to throw the ball more. But. Who's Carson Wentz going to throw to to stretch the field? Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. He has nobody to throw to. That's not an excuse because then it's like, well, if he's so elite, well, then why can't he just look? They're not catching the ball. Problem for the Philadelphia. They got a bunch of them. But on the Deshaun Jackson point, because you made the point. A lot of people made the point. I heard on the broadcast last night they were making the point. Deshaun Jackson is being treated like he is DeAndre Hopkins with Deshaun Watson, meaning a player that the quarterback has had his whole career has come to rely on. Carson Wentz played one game ever with Deshaun Jackson. One game. He's only played one game. Now, that one game he had two touchdowns for 154 yards, I believe. So, great job on the debut. And I don't know when he heard it. I don't know when he had, when that hernia became a problem, but that's how we treat it. You know, Deshaun Jackson, to me, is one of the best deep ball trackers in the NFL. It just comes natural to him to catch the deep ball. But without him, that really condenses the offense. You have nobody that can blow the top off the, off the defenses. Nobody can. And now that the... <laughs> The cat's out of the bag with Nelson Aguilar. We know he can't catch the ball because he loses it in the lights. He loses it in his sleep. He loses it when he's awake. He can't track the deep ball. So what is that going to do? That changes all the coverage schemes, the coverage shells, changes everything. More zone blitzing. Yeah, pretty much. Like we, the, the idea that all of a sudden the Eagles offense cannot function without a guy who's been there for four quarters is crazy to me. But it appears to be true. But the other big issue with Philadelphia, Warren Sharp had this said, I couldn't believe it. No team in the last 30 years has allowed more 20-point first halves through seven games than Philadelphia. Five of their seven games, the opposition has scored at least 20 points. The only good defensive first half they've had came against Luke Falk. So when Doug Peterson talked about our offense needs to get going early, that defense needs to get going early, and it's been non-existent. Yeah, let me t- yeah okay, but we knew that going into the season that the defense wasn't going to be all that great. We knew that we had a lot of death pieces, but we had no idea that, number one, injuries were going to occur. Number two, Jim Schwartz was going to change his whole philosophy. His philosophy is to run the wide nine and uh, to only rush four and drop seven. And that you, you have to get pressure with the defensive line. Well, you're not getting pressure with the defensive line because they're doing max protect. And like I said, we have a lot of age. There's a lot of age that's, that's, that's on that team. A lot of tread on those tires. So I think it might be time to kind of revamp. And I, want, I don't think the Eagles are in a complete rebuild, but they're going to have to rebuild at a, at a few other positions. Uh, and me personally, 
the play of the corners is predicated on the play of the defensive line and how well they play and get pressure. You get pressure, you force the quarterback to throw a ball he doesn't want to throw, thus you get an interception. But because the defensive line isn't getting any penetration, <laughs> they're not getting any pressure on the quarterbacks, that's why they're able to get the balls out so quick. Pause. That's why they're able to get the ball out so quick. But D-Jack does give you. Because if the corner wants to play bump, he's got an instant big shot on the outside. He showed us that week number one. And he's been better at anyone in the 100-year history as far as touchdowns of 60 yards or more. So we're not giving him credit for playing with Carson Wentz. We're giving him credit for the ball player that he is. Also, if I don't play um, press man coverage, I play cover two. Well, the safety to that side is off. So now I can run the ball, Greg, with no safety support. So now if the offensive line is struggling, there's one less guy in the box. And if he is the point guard setting it up, it helps Ertz be better. It helps Jeffries be better. Nelson Aguilar is not a number one or a number two. Look, he's not a number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I want him gone. I want him off the team completely. Now, they're attacking Carson Wentz because they're saying he throws to Zach Ertz too much. Well, you see what happens is when you don't have a deep threat, you're going to force teams to double-team Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is not your guy who's going to catch the deep ball. But they're doubling Zach Ertz. So when you take away Wentz's first option, now he has to throw to receivers. He's not really comfortable throwing to outside, outside of Deshaun because he wants to push the ball down the field. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, they have a, they have a solid rapport. I, was still, I, I, I could still tell that at some time, at sometimes uh, the trust really isn't there. So, but for whatever reason, they, they, they hold on to Nick Foles for dear life. Helps him be a special number three. So let's not act as if he's just a normal receiver. Having him out the lineup affects how everyone else is going to go about doing their business. All right, I, I'm going to have to disagree with that.